hats off to Novak Djokovic, who has gone through the most ridiculous situation. It feels like no fault of his own. Maybe I don't fully understand this story, but no I'm No fault of his own. <laughs> Hello, happy new year, and welcome to Hat Trick. I am Jordan Dyler Coltman, joined by Elliot Tanti and Braden Dyler Coltman. We are here for New Year. Braden, Elliot. Any New Year's resolutions you want to share with the uh, listening public, Elliot? Uh, I think I want to read more. I say that every year, and I usually generally read a book in January and then fall off from there. But you know what? Here's here, here's here's to trying again this year. Uh, Braden, uh, I'm just here to uh, my my resolution is um, to continue to cheer for the Oilers even in the darker and darker times that we are amidst. All right. Uh, with that, let's uh, let's kick off a new year with a brand new show. Uh, this is topic one. All right, so a new year brings us with a whole new uh, set of storylines, lots of things going on in the sports world. Um, this week, um, news came out that one of the writers, who is one of the 50 voting members of um, the National Football League's Writers Association that gets to vote for the MVP, made a very public statement on a radio show that he was not going to vote for Aaron Rodgers, who is the consensus Vegas picked MVP uh, of the NFL season front runner. Um, Hub Arkish, uh, who was a writer for the Associated Press, uh, went on a radio show and said, and I quote, I don't think you can be the biggest jerk in the league and punish your team and your organization and your fan base the way he did and still be the most valuable player, end quote. And it got me thinking because it's an interesting take. It's an interesting perspective. And obviously, really, it's about clicks and Twitter bait. And he got a lot of attention. People don't know who Hub Arkish was prior to this. You know, he's no Stephen A. Smith. So he got a lot of attention on Twitter. <laughs> and obviously, Aaron Rodgers was asked and he had to respond. He called the guy a bum and la, 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 la. It becomes a story. You know, this is how the NFL works, right? You get a week long storyline. But it got me thinking about the bigger conversation concerning both the media and fans when it comes to how we allow ourselves to compartmentalize the behavior or actions of players off the field or off the ice or off the baseball diamond or whatever, how we compartmentalize that behavior sometimes and allow ourselves to only focus on the on-field things. Let me give you two more examples to set this up. We have uh, Antonio Brown and obviously the meltdown on the sidelines at, at the Meadowlands the other day, the Buccaneers playing the jets, you know, the story comes out. He was told to go in. He felt he was injured. He didn't want to go in. He ends up pulling his shoulder pads and Jersey off his undershirt off and dancing off the field and an unbelievable spectacle. And then of course, turns to podcasts, turns to radio shows post game to call out Tom Brady, to call up Bruce Arians. But this is someone who's already previously been accused multiple times of sexually assaulting women, lost his job with the then Oakland Raiders over the same kind of behavior, went to the Patriots, lost his behavior over there. But every time he's been given a second chance, twice by Tom Brady's teams, it's because of his football, not because of who he is. And clearly they're overlooking the baggage he brings. But then you have a situation like Colin Kaepernick where they're not willing to overlook the baggage he brings to the field. They're only focused on that and they don't worry about how good a football player he is. I'm going to give you one more example from this last week. Ben Roethlisberger, who has been accused of rape earlier in his career, 
somehow the history book has been rewritten on this guy and you have this like glory. Thank you for everything you've done for the city of Pittsburgh. Ben Roethlisberger last game at home storyline where people completely seem to be willing to forget the other stuff and, and, and only look at, 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 at the, the hero journey part of the athlete. Anyway, that's my long-winded thing. Here's what I turn over to you. Do you think that we too often compartmentalize these kind of issues when we think about athletes and should we be expecting more of the media and of fans when it comes to how we look at these situations? I'm going to go to Elliot first because Braden looks a little bamboozled by this. Elliot, what do you think? That's just a huge question. It is. And that's why I wanted to dig into it. So we'll take the time. But for you, Elliot, when you look at the Aaron Rodgers thing, and we'll just start with that, like, could you vote for him for MVP? Could you overlook Mm -hmm. all these other things? And do you think you should? Is it only about the football? I guess is the question. I mean, that's a huge question. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's It's, 2022. We wanted to get into some big stuff. Yeah, Uh I I know. And I'm glad you're asking it. I I mean, I've sort of, I've sort of waffled back and forth. I've really, for a long time, I really struggled with the notion of what was going on in people's personal lives, players' personal lives, interfering with, um, you know, what was going on on the field or how, how they, they were perceived. And that, in, for me, you know, seemed like a safe place because uh, as much as I was disappointed in the NFL and what happened with Colin Kaepernick, it also sort of allowed me to disassociate from a player like Tim Thomas when he was doing his buffoonery as a libertarian or, you know, other Trump supporters who made their, their, their um, positions well-known in the public media and separate sort of the person from the sport. But I just don't think you can anymore. And we've talked about it countless times throughout COVID, and I think COVID's really switched this for me. There's an expectation um, of these individuals beyond just their capacity to play on the field uh, as role models in their society, as doing the right things, as thinking, they have to think thing, uh, societal things through um, uh, more clearly and more precisely and be more articulate in, articulate in these situations or, remind, or make a point of being incredibly quiet and not having an opinion at all and I don't think you separate the player and their behavior from or, or their positions or their political views from their from from you know their their performance or play on the field and it's very difficult to associate to disassociate those things anymore uh, for good and for bad I, there's players I, you know I'd like to give those players that are making you know meaningful differences in their community engaging in charitable acts or engaging uh, with really difficult political questions on of race or equality, um, you know, the due, in due course. But then you also can't just overlook the bad in other people as well, too. Just to close, I think there's a difference between being an anti-vaxxer or, um, you know, supporting a racist president um, and being like Aaron Rodgers, who just seems to be kind of mean to people. Uh, that seems to be like the overall thing, you know, even again, the same thing with like an Ellen DeGeneres, she's, you know, she doesn't have necessarily antithetical views against people's rights, but she maybe isn't the nicest boss. I mean, I think that there's it, just like anything else, there's there's shards of gray. And so sure. there's differences in those pieces too. I just want to yeah. highlight that. No, no, that's, I think that's fair. It's definitely, there's definitely a sliding scale of like actual uh, conduct that we're dealing with here, right? There's crimes and then there's, bad behavior, poor behavior. And that's yeah. the same thing that happens when we deal with, 
you know, quote unquote, cancel culture and this idea that every, you know, we can't lump everybody in. I get that. I, I appreciate that. I brought a few different examples in together, but more just, you know, there's definitely a sliding scale there. Braden, uh, do you want to jump in now? From the get-go, I had said it's a big question because I think it's just that there's so many different angles that you look at when it comes to this. Like, you know, Antonio Brown freaking out, ripping his jersey and pads off and getting the crowd behind him as he left. I, 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 I expect the media to tell me why. I want to know why. That, that's a huge part of it. But at the same time, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a similar thing with Naomi Osaki or Osaka. It was like, this is, a, this is something that is personal and private. And maybe that's something that we don't need to dig into. We don't need to understand necessarily that because that's not for everybody to understand. But I, I am curious about like the, the level of pressure that the media adds onto these athletes. Uh, you know, we, they, they're put on such a high pedestal. So when it comes to behavior, again, there is a difference between uh, illegal behavior and conduct and, and how we're nitpicking, you know, who this person is or how they are. Like, and Aaron Rodgers says, he doesn't know me. He doesn't know me. You, you know me from what you hear and what is being perceived, but at the end of the day, you know, like this is a, an award in the NFL for MVP that is voted by the journalists. So the journalists are going to have their opinions and the players are going to have to respond in the way they do. I, I didn't think there was a huge, uh, you know, I, I didn't think that this was all that exciting of a story necessarily. Um, but I do think that the, the you know, there, there's an amplification, especially with social media, of accessibility. We want to know everything there is about players, about teams, about, you know, and we, and we want to have our say on it. We want to be able to say to the Oilers, you need to do this, you need to do this. And, and that, you know, I'm going to throw all of my comments into the Edmonton Sun and that's going to be the, you know, the thing. But there's so many different angles and so many different perspectives. So I just, I don't, I don't know where the buck stops really with, with, uh, with the media. So, okay. So that, I think that's all fair. I think I, I may have bit off more than we could chew on, on the format and structure we have here, but let me just try it. Let me just try it a slightly different angle here for a second. We'll bring it more personally for you, for each of you. Do you think you like, do you find yourself ever asking those questions about whether or not you are able to judge an athlete's performance based strictly on their on field or on mm-hmm. ice behave like, like a performance, or do you find that you sometimes you struggle with not that separation, like with that compartmentalization, you know, like we talked about the Astros and their, and, and the, as a team, I think a lot of people have a hard time, you know, sort of forgiving yeah. that organization for their actions there, even if there's a quote unquote punishment, the same thing I think for players, but the question is when it's off ice or off field behavior, how much does that bleed in for you in terms of your viewing experience? Well, this is the question, right? And, and, and I'm glad you're recentering this. Let me recenter it even further. I mean, I think there's a difference between whether some you're willing to purchase tickets or support a team versus, you know, support someone for an MVP. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is such a weird example to jump off of. I know it's sort of pertinent and, and it's on the mind and we're going off, we're going off like a news hook here. Um, but, you know, when you're voting for the best player in the league, you're voting for the best player in the league. I mean, Mark Messier was a real dick for lots of years in the, in the NHL. And that's part of the reason why he was the best player. So player was Michael Jordan. And, so, and I was about to say, Michael Jordan had the same thing in terms of he, he and that, that's part of, you know, there, there's a pedigree of athletes. Uh, 
elite, elite, elite athlete, because I think most people in professional sports are already elite athletes. So that, that next level, those pinnacle, the, 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 you know, those, the, those sports defining personalities. And a lot of them have similar traits in terms of their work ethic and how they treat people around them because they're so centered and focused on that one thing. So when you're talking about MVP level thing, well, I'm not surprised he's kind of a jerk around. I mean, he's singularly focused on doing one thing, which is being the best possible quarterback that he can be for uh, in the best league in the world. Right. Um, When we, and, and so I think in terms of, when you're assessing someone's actual skills and talents uh, for an award like that, I think what they do off the field or off the ice means a lot less than when you're looking at sort of more holistically, do I want this person on my team? Am I going to support this team because uh, this person's on there because of their political views? Those are different sort of things for me. Yeah. And when it comes to like Antonio Brown, th- there is a difference between like wanting to cheer for a guy because he's on your team if you're a Buccaneers fan and then team knowing that he's, uh, you know, an, a, he's a, an accused assaulter and, 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 you know, so it's hard though. I, I do find it hard. I do find it hard to, to be able to take out that aspect of who this person is as well as their pedigree in their sport. I, I, I do find that difficult. Can I ask you guys a question on this? Here, yeah. let's, 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 let's bring it close to home. Would you rather have Ethan Bear on the Edmonton Oilers being all that he represents to our community and the, the person that he was becoming in terms of a representation uh, of, of an underrepresented or a representation of an underrepresented group in the NHL, uh, everything that he was with the Cree community, the Cree community Edmonton, or would you have Warren Fogle because he makes the team better? Does he? Sorry. Well, but let's just, but yeah, no, for purpose of argument. Absolutely. That's a really great question. I think that's the pinnacle of this is, is what is important because there's the business and then there's the business, (laughs) right? Like, and both of those play into that. I think, I think that uh, who he was in the community was a really important piece, although he wasn't treated fairly, uh, especially at the end of his um, time here. And then Fogel. Yeah. Like that's a, we can debate whether or not that's an impact or not, but I do think that, that uh, you know, st- um, in terms of a hockey decision, that was, that's, that's, a, I can't really, can't really say though. That's a really good question. I think it's fair. It's a very fair way to flip it around, but I think that does go back to that place of like, can you separate the two? And it, it, you know, we want you, you always want the people, on the team you cheer for to be good people. I think most people, most fans, mm-hmm. I think would agree with that. But the truth is it's, that's also very personal in terms of what you value. Uh, and I think that that's the tricky thing with all of this is that for some people, they're going to compartmentalize it in different ways. And as you said, you know, as uh, uh, if they're on your team and you cheer for that team, you're probably more willing to look the other way and, and accept the flaws and who that person is, if that's something that matters to you. Um, uh, but anyway, I, I think you're right. There, there's a lot to unpack there. And, and, and I, I know I, I cracked open a very big conversation. Maybe we can dig into it on a, on a future episode a little bit further. Let me just, um, for fun, because this is where this conversation started. Uh, I know Braden's not a big NFL follower, but I know Elliot is because you play a lot of fantasy. Would you vote for Aaron Rodgers? I think it's close between him and a couple of players, but I, but his behavior off the field, everything going into the offseason this year doesn't impact my decision. 
that's for sure. No. So but it, but just based a, on scale, like I like I could see myself voting for yeah. Nintendo probably. So just I, to, and Bra- Braden, do you want to do you want to yay or nay on that? Would you vote for him? Uh, no, but I've never been an Aaron Rodgers fan, and that goes into it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's part of it too, right? Uh, so I'll uh, again just one last statistically little. though. I can't I can't say. I mean, they're the they're the, they're the bye week team, so they're they're definitely doing something right with the guy behind there. You know, uh, and even yeah. though his off season antics were whatever they were, which was a business decision, he still got in there and turned things around. He says his relationship yeah. with the GM and and coach and whoever else he needs to is is yeah. sorted out. So well, it's interesting, right? Because that part of it goes back to you know we we do have these like arbitrary rules that seem to always come up in these conversations, right? Connor McDavid can't win the MVP because his team didn't make the playoffs. Even if he's the best player yeah, statistically exactly. through the regular season, but his team's not good, he can't be their MVP. That we have all kinds of what I would argue are pretty arbitrary and pretty like silly rules when it comes to these. And every league has a couple different ones, you know, really the MVP in the NFL tends to be the best quarterback of the year award. Right. I the same way that, this year. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I don't agree with that. And and just to prove that it wasn't just a conversation about that. This, this is my statistics as to why it shouldn't be. I would not vote for Aaron Rodgers, and it has nothing to do with any of this. This is who I'd be voting for. And Elliot, you can back me up or disagree with me after, because I know that you follow this much more closely than I do. <laughs> my vote would go to Cooper cup wide receiver for the Rams. And here's why he's the fourth player in NFL history to have the triple crown, meaning he's won the most, he's had the most touchdown catches, most receptions and most yards by a wide receiver. He has 21 more catches than the next available wide receiver. He has 302 more receiving yards than the next available wide receiver. And he's only the second player in NFL history. uh, When it comes to single season catches only behind Calvin Johnson. Also, ironically, another wide receiver who was catching passes from Matt Stafford. And now he's second on the all-time list for touchdown receptions for a season. So he's far and away the best receiver we've seen in a long, long time. And I would argue that what he has done for the Rams is more valuable to that team than what Aaron Rodgers did for a team. He didn't, he missed one game due to COVID that they lost. And then they also lost two divisional games as a team. So although they are making the playoffs, they had a weaker opponents. It was easier for them to get there. And none of Aaron Rodgers statistics are even the best statistics he's had in his career. I rest wow. my case. Can I tell you why I think Joe Burrow is the MVP? Sure. Let's have it. When was the last time the Bengals were in the playoffs? <laughs> That's, yeah. If that was how that goes, you're absolutely right. 2006. Case closed. <laughs> yeah. Elliot, you want to take one last stab at this as you are our official uh, NFL follower? Yeah, I mean, I think that Joe <laughs> Joe Burrow one is funny just in the sense that he did get take the team to the league. The problem with Cooper Cup is he doesn't throw the ball; he just catches it. When you're only when you're the only receiver that can catch the ball on a team, but then um, it should be the most valuable pass, quarterback. May, then it should be Matt Stafford, maybe. But uh, yeah, that's the argument, right? Um, but I, I think your arguments for both your players are fine. I could totally see it. But um, the, let me just say that this. This Green Bay Packers team is probably the worst Green Bay Packers team that we've seen in a long time. They got beat and by the still Lions like, today. They're still fourteen or thirteen and four, and uh, and doing the usual things. And uh, you know, we'll and that there's one reason why, and that's their quarterback. All right. Well, I think we've unpacked as much of that as we can. Let's leave it there. That's topic one. Hey, if you're a fan of Hattrick Sports, then I promise you, you're going to love the Backyard Basketball Podcast. Hattrick's very own Braden Dollar Coltman sits down every Wednesday with his best bud, Christian Steck. And together, they break down all the news, rumors, transactions from around the basketball world. Whether it's the NBA or college hoops, these two guys love talking basketball, and you are going to love 
listening every Wednesday on the Backyard Basketball Podcast. All right, topic two this week. Uh, we are not going to uh, dig in on all of the woes and problems for the Edmonton Oilers because uh, who knows, in five minutes, in two hours, in three days, things could be changing. Um, it doesn't look like they're going to play now again for almost a week, and that's what's really digging into this conversation. The NHL has really found themselves in a world of hurt when it comes to their schedule, when it comes to uh, postponements and obviously all of it related to COVID, um, Omicron, and and Elliot and I spent a good portion of our last show before the break uh, talking about whether or not the NHL should just call you know a halt to their regular season back before Christmas to try to prevent exactly what we kind of both accepted was going to happen, which is it was only going to continue to snowball, and it has some teams obviously more than others. That's how an infectious disease works. But I at this point. I don't think there's a single team that hasn't been affected in some way because either they're finding their own team decimated or the opponents they're supposed to be facing are. We've now had the also um, very unfortunate reality of money come into this where now the NHL and the Canadian owners have all sort of conspired to just continue to postpone even playable games in Canada because of the um the restrictions about capacity and they don't want to be losing money on those home games. So they've just postponed basically every Canadian played game, except for the Toronto Maple Leafs because the Maple Leafs had already missed like three weeks of games and they had to get some played. But even now the Maple Leafs games are being postponed again. And it all seemed at one point to just be about, well, let's not, we don't want to play in front of half capacity crowds because it would cost us money. But at this point, I'm not even sure who'd be playing uh, in, in front of so many of these postponed games. Um, the Oilers being among them, I think at this point, they have something like 16 people who have been in and out of COVID protocol. Uh, most of their coaching staff, I think their entire support staff is in COVID protocol right now. Um, we're seeing players who've either previously had COVID, all of these players, you know, all but one player in the league who's playing was, was fully vaccinated. I don't know about boosters or not. I'm sure there's more Americans with the boosters than the Canadians at this point, but Point being, it's no longer discriminating. This virus is breaking through like wildfire. So um, I guess it's about where do we stand here? I mean, this is just a complete and utter, you know, clusterfuck. Well, it, that's what it is. You know, it's a contagious clusterfuck at this point. Um, where do you see this going, Elliot? Like, are we past the point of even accepting that we're probably not going to see 82 games? Is the NHL like, like, how does the NHL pull itself out of this tailspin here? It's just a disaster at this point, is it not? Like, where yeah, are I mean, we here? I mean, I mean, it feels like the NHL is going through in their second season what a lot of leagues went through in their first season of COVID, which was mm. just, you know, uh, when you loosened up the rules, things started to spread. We've also got a very infectious variant running around, and so people are testing positive with much less uh, severe symptoms, but that's still having an impact as well, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so I, you know, just to put this in context, I, I don't know that the NHL is going through something that the other leagues haven't or aren't necessarily right now. Um, as one piece of this. I mean, cancelling of the Olympics buys the league two or two and a half, three weeks to sort of three make weeks. up games. And that sort of seems to be... Uh, the, the breaking point. The other thing that, you know, what's been said in the media in addition to that is sort of the league is willing to take an extra week at the end of the season to sort of make up games as well too. So that gives them essentially a month of schedule or at least two, you know, three, three and a half weeks 
of schedule to make up games too. So I don't know that we're at the point where we're not going to play 82 games. Well, what does that mean, Elliot, that we're going to start seeing like a team have to play four games in six days? Because we're already three are almost, we're almost three full weeks into this really affecting the schedule. And if you're saying there's there's four weeks because because it's dependent, it's dependent on each team and how many games they've missed per team, right? Like league wise. Yes. There's been impacts, but there's been teams that have been impacted, but they were only would have played two a week or things like that. I, I think uh, you'll we're, we'll know pretty quick, and and the league will make it clear if they're not going to play an 82 game season. And I don't think they're at that place here. What I think is troublesome, and I think what's problematic, is that it seems as though the NHL has just taken the position uh, we're just going to let everyone in the league get it uh, over the next two to three weeks here, so that everyone has COVID <laughs> and has been through it, and then we can continue on with our season. And I mean, there's already jokes about this, you know, with the Oilers right now around like, let's have a COVID party, everyone get COVID and just get through it as a team. Cause that seems to be a competitive advantage, believe it or not. And I think that's a little, uh, fucked up. <laughs> yeah, no shit. What's but, the competitive advantage? The, the competitive advantage is if you all get it, like the Calgary flames all got it. Now they're like through it on the other side and they're ready to go. And so everyone's going to take the Calgary flames model. Right. But anyway, this, I'm not yeah. saying it's right. I'm just saying, no, no, no I know. I get that. But I, but I, my whole thing with this is like, I, I don't understand the health part of, of it all. Like there's players like Josh Archibald, who we know decided not to get the vaccine, but also is now suffering myocarditis, which is a serious effect from this, this illness. And we know it doesn't affect everybody, but we do know that there is, there, there can be consequences, uh, cardiovascular consequences. Like there, this is a, this is a really serious thing. So to suggest that, that, I mean, I know that that can't be their stance, but the idea of everybody you know, going into that mindset is oh, like, I'm pretty, sure it's their, no, I'm pretty sure it's their stance. I just think that they just think that, well, uh, the, the, the outcomes are significantly reduced if you're vaccinated. And so of course, you, so the myocarditis was something was a symptom of someone that's unvaccinated getting COVID. No, but, but they're but also but saying Alex that it's, is also missing the season for the same reason. And he was fully vaccinated. Well, fair enough. And they're also saying that, that the, the vaccine, for players is to mitigate the contraction and distribution of it or, or contagion. And yet that doesn't seem to be a know, factor we, anymore. We already Brady. know that people can get it. We already know people can transmit it, uh, yeah. uh, pass it on and have the vaccine. Like it's good that the, the serious illness of it isn't, you know, as great or, or as um, dangerous as perhaps without, but the fact that that's their stance. And then the other part, because I spent some time looking at their actual protocol, because I'm so sick and tired of just saying, oh, they're in health and safety protocol. What the hell does that mean? For close contact, I don't understand how this rule works because it's stating that uh, a, a person has to be within six feet of the index person for cumulative total of 15 minutes or more over a 24 hour period. There is no way in hell that two players can go out of the team and everybody else is not considered close contact. Now, like this, and then the other, the other players on other teams, I don't know. I don't, I just don't know how that part of the protocol makes any sense. If two guys on your team are in close contact with the rest of the team, how, how is everybody not shutting down? It's a good question. Well, it's, it's how we've ended up where we're at. We're like significant numbers of teams are getting the, the, the COVID, right? Yeah. And the most up-to-date I, protocol that I found only refers to the Delta. They haven't even updated something with Omicron. 
Well, I know that they're making now like amendments to the previous one, just one off at a time. For example, they did change the the quarantine window from the 10 days to the five days following the CDC guidelines and things like that. But I will, I mean, here's the thing, either way, uh, whether it's as, as, you know, Elliot would suggest, and I don't think you're wrong, Elliot. I'm sure that it's a great possibility the NHL is at this point just going, hopefully we'll just kind of, wait this out enough people but we also don't know what the numbers of like second infections are obviously Connor mcdavid had a previous variant and he's caught this variant too how many times can someone catch it we don't know that um regardless if the strategy is we're just going to wait this out and hope that we gain some form of league herd immunity i guess uh only time will tell whether or not that's a good or bad decision um certainly from a from a public relations perspective uh it's 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 a challenging thing but it is interesting in general when you think about how sports has sort of become one of the only examples where we seem to have accepted a level of um i don't know flexibility in how this is being dealt with that we don't in other uh, industries and in other places because you know it's can it's not obviously not an essential service but it's sort of been treated in a very different way and 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 they've been given i think a much wider berth um even by governments to sort of play by whatever rules suits that specific league and obviously the nhl i think even more so than the nba or um definitely the nfl obviously but even more than NBA when you well yeah but with the nhl you have six six Canadian teams. Like you have a whole cross border factor to this. That is a different, different sort of uh, thing to, to be factoring into every decision. It's unfortunate. I think that the Canadian teams and their owners have made some, what appear to be fiscal decisions first and foremost. And I wonder if that ends up biting some of these teams in the butt later when we do get to the rescheduling and it starts getting trickier and trickier to get, you know, the teams to the right cities for those things. And do we start seeing some of these Canadian teams have to quote unquote, make up these games on the road simply because of scheduling. Um, And then was it worth it in the first place to, I don't know. I guess that's the thing. There's so many parts of this that only time will tell us whether or not uh, the strategy is right. Any last thoughts, boys? I mean, I do think it's right for Canadian teams to propose postpone games for as long as they can because they make money when people when there's butts and seats. And I totally get that. I, I I totally appreciate that if you can't fill an arena, that's that's gonna cost your team money and you should do everything in your power to postpone as long as you can until you can get butts and seats. I, I understand the need to make money and 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 you know, having lived through a time when uncertainty it, it, there was uncertainty in my home market about the future of my NHL team. I recognize the teams need to make money, but that can't go on to the extent that it's impacting the 82 game season. They need to do everything they can to, to prolong as long as they can until that point, And then they just got to start playing games. Like that's just, that's just how it is. Um, yeah. And as an Oilers fan, this couldn't have come at a better time uh, <laughs> to have just a little hiatus. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, hopefully they all, get healthy. I, it would, it would suck to have been, you know, the Calgary flames or a team that they were like, well, we're just going to keep going, hang on tight. Uh, so I hope they figure out a a good way. And, and like you said, Elliot, right off the top, like, I think the Olympic break is going to be packed with, with hockey. All right. That's topic two. Okay. 
we're going to jump right into topic three here. Uh, so we're going to do hats off to start off the new year, our first hats off of the new year. And we will turn it over to Braden first. Braden, who are you taking your hat off to this? This first episode, I'm taking my hat off to a guy that we have not seen on the NBA basketball court in two and a half years. And I'm talking about Clay Thompson, who was last seen in the NBA um, suffering an ACL tear uh, against the Raptors when the Raptors won back in 2019. He came back tonight, first game back. It was really uh, exciting for him, exciting for the fans in Golden State. Uh, big win, 96-82 over the Cavs, and he put up 17 points. This is a really, really exciting thing for the Golden State Warriors, already a team that is pushing for uh, another championship this year to get a guy like this back. Uh, it's really exciting. So hats off to Clay Thompson. Elliot? Start off with a controversial one. It's whatever, it's 2022, and I'm going to do me. Hats off to Novak Djokovic, who has gone through just the most ridiculous situation. Uh, it really feels like no fault of his own. Maybe I don't fully understand this story. Um, he was initially, uh, so he's what I'm No back fault of his own. <laughs> <laughs> He was initially denied entry into Australia for the Australian Open, then was given a, uh, a pass to come in uh, to, to participate in the tournament. And then too much backlash has now had his, had his, uh, his visa revoked. And, uh, you know, honestly, I don't agree with the guy's perspective on this issue, but uh, he's, got, he's been back and forth. He's in a legal fight right now. Huh. And, and as the as the Serbian government tweeted out, uh, just gone through undue discrimination of a Serbian uh, <laughs> throughout this entire situation, and so my hands goes off. In wow, the can we need through it? I think we might need like a new a new topic or a new thing here to add to this, where we have like like. A challenge. I'd like to challenge your hat off on this one. This is ridiculous. What do you mean? Like, first off, the exemption he got was from the from the Australian Open, a sporting organization who stands to make a lot of money. No, no, no. It was from the government. No, it was not. No, it was not. Only from the Queensland Authority, which is a provincial government. Okay. It's like the RCMP being like, no, no, but yeah. No, no, no. It's not like the RCMP. It's worse than that. It's like Jason Kenny saying, sure, come on into Canada. You don't have to follow federal guidelines. That is what it is like. He got an exemption from the Aussie Open to play without a vaccination. He got an exemption from the Queensland district authority to come into their province when he got to the federal border of australia they said hold on we have some of the tightest and strictest guidelines in the entire world when it comes to covid no world number one tennis player Look, i'm telling you i'm telling that. you anthony kelly judge anthony kelly disagrees with you because he's about to win his court case i got a feeling right now that he went through, we're gonna undue, see him play? He went through undue hardship during his border experience he's gonna win his case and he's going to be playing in the Aussie Open. Of course it is. Of course And I, I would like now to rest my case when it comes to topic one of today's show. People are capable of compartmentalizing off-field <laughs> behavior when it comes to the on-field part of this. Oh, Novak man. Djokovic is clearly breaking the rules. And now we're just going to hold him to a different standard because he's an athlete. Exactly. I don't think that's exactly. fair. That's, I don't no, think, I don't that's think that's he's fair. right either. But I think he's been mistreated throughout this entire thing. I do think, here's what I will say. Uh, both sides of this have completely and utterly 
bungusat. Like just a disaster. (laughs) The fact that the fact that the Australian government didn't deal with this before the man was on an airplane to their island nation is ridiculous. Oh yes, oh yes. That's that that this this whole thing. It was mostly this hats off. I'm just using it to highlight this situation. All right, we just want to see Djokovic up on the on the caption. Speaking of uh, controversial decisions made by organizations, uh, I'd like to take my hat off to Keegan Mitchell, who is a uh, junior B player in Prince Edward Island. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this story earlier uh, this week, but Keegan Mitchell, um, who plays again uh, for the Sherwood Metros, um, which is a junior B team. He was playing in a game against the Kingston Vipers on December 17th, where he says an opposing player made an anti-Asian racist comment towards one of his teammates. He stood up for his teammate, slashed that player. He received two game suspension for that slash. And the player that he says made a racist comment um, also received a two game suspension. Keegan uh, said he approached the referees in the game demanding that this player be reprimanded. He was not given a penalty or unsportsmanlike penalty in the game. He was suspended after the fact, after an investigation. However, during the game, Keegan was ejected for um, unsportsmanlike conduct for arguing with the officials. So once he was given his two-game suspension, um, he took to Facebook to basically call out Prince Edward Island Hockey and suggest that he thought the fact that his suspension was warranted the same as an anti, or pardon me, an anti-Asian racist comment on the ice was, was a joke. He felt like the slur was completely inappropriate at any level of hockey. And he felt like Prince Edward Island um, and as an organization needed to do better, um, basically just called, called them out for being uh, for not having a, a, a higher standard when it came to racism. He was then indefinitely suspended for violating their social media policy. So Prince Edward Island hockey found that him calling out their officials for not cracking down on racism was more of a violation than the actual racism in the first place. Um, My hat goes off to him for standing up for himself, for standing up for what was right, for taking a stance. And I hope that Prince Edward Island hockey um, swiftly uh, not only revoked or removes his suspension and has him back playing, but takes a hard look at where the real issue is here. Is the real problem someone calling you out for maybe uh, some poor judgment on what's really important or uh, maybe, you know, maybe you should be looking at yourselves before you, well, before you turn protocols. on protocols. Yeah. So my hat goes off to him for doing the right thing, for saying the right thing, for standing up for his teammate on the ice and off the ice. All right. That was our first show of 2022. It was heated. It was fun. We had a lot to go through. I know we got a lot to go through next week and we will be back with another great episode of Hattrick. Thank you, Braden. Thank you, Elliot. Stay safe out there. That was Hattrick. Patrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. Yes. There you go. Yes. Wow. What a way to bring in 2022. That's Patrick's deal. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, 
and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.